Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we dive deep into stories of Asian entrepreneurs around the world. Be sure to check out our book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, and check out our directory and marketplace at AsianHustleNetwork.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Everybody, welcome to the episode on the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today we have a very special guest. Her name is Jenny, Jenny Park. So Jenny leads the brand and talent uh, partnerships at LinkedIn. Jenny, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the intro. I know. Not every day we get a talent like you on the podcast. So I want to hear more about your story and, and like a little bit more about your introduction as well. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Everything you guys our building is super cool. So I'm Jenny Park. I work at LinkedIn. I've been here for about four and a half years now. My current role right now is leading our talent partnerships, brand partnerships, which is a whole new function that we've really been building at LinkedIn. My background is really in brand strategy, advertising, marketing, communications. I went to school for advertising at the University of Illinois. I'm originally from Chicago, like suburbs, but I'm based in LA right now. So I studied that in college and advertising and I actually didn't even know advertising or brand was like something someone went to school for. Like, I don't know about you, Brian, but growing up, it was like doctor, teacher, lawyer, but I was always really fascinated by storytelling and culture and creativity. And so when I went to U of I, I discovered advertising and how that was like at the intersection of it, fell in love. I started my career at General Mills in Minnesota, very random, but love Minnesota, love Minneapolis. And so I was at General Mills for about four four or five years working on CPG brands. And it was really great, just traditional brand management, Marcom learning. I worked on Cheerios and we did cool partnerships with like the Ellen DeGeneres show about spreading positivity and kindness. We created new flavors that people really loved. But I started to really get curious about like tech brands and what it looked like to build a brand that was global and purpose-driven and building communities. So I joined LinkedIn back in 2017 to help scale out their marketing and comms org because they're really looking for someone with marketing experience. So I joined the org then, then kind of shifted over to brand strategy to help build out what do we stand for as a brand? How do we make this brand expression consistent across all of our touch points when you think about like our product, but also our people and all of that. And most recently, about a year ago, I continued to be vocal that I was really interested in culture and like how our brand manifests itself out in the world. And so got tapped to help build out this new function and team. And it's been really fun. I've been in seat now for about nine months and I've gotten to do some pretty cool brand partnerships, celebrity partnerships, and really around like building inclusive community on the platform. So it's been, it's been a fun journey. Wow. I mean, thank you so much for sharing all that too. That's quite the journey, right? Starting your career in Minnesota, making your way to LA, working at LinkedIn. Like, what has been like biggest learning lesson throughout your entire career from one company to another? Like, I'm kind of curious how, about how you personally thought about your career development, right? Because, like, as you know, the Asian Hustle Network podcast, we have a lot of entrepreneurs in the podcast, but also we have a lot of people who are killing it in their careers too, right? 
And a lot of people, especially the newer graduates from 2020, it's like they're thinking about their career right now. They're thinking about developing their career, their passion and everything. What advice would you have for them like, as they're thinking about how to like, you know, develop the passion and incorporate their job, their career and being vocal at work is so important. Like, can you give us some advice on that? Yeah, what's so funny is that when I meet more Gen Z folks, I'm like, man, y'all are way more confident than I was when I graduated college. Like, I feel like Gen Z, they just know what they're worth and like know what they deserve and like hats off to them. So when I started my career, like you can imagine what a Minnesotan company looked like. Like, I don't, I think I could count on with like my two hands, like how many Asian people I saw. And so it was a huge learning for me. To be honest, like I like grew by assimilating my first few years. I just watched all my white peers, like how they interacted with senior leadership, how they like interjected in meetings or gave recommendations or used their voice. And so part of it was like kind of copying because I didn't feel like I belonged and fit in. Um, and it wasn't until I actually moved to California where I really felt like comfort in my own skin and what I could really bring to value as I saw other Asians who looked like me. For my first four years, I think I thought I was going to leave corporate world to like start my own thing. Like if you knew me between that age, everyone joked Jenny is a serial entrepreneur because I love starting new brands and local brands and stuff. But there's something about stability that I also really valued. I think growing up as the first one who went to corporate America, like I really wanted to have like a retirement plan and a stable income and and so all that. So I think my personality, I just like kind of like veered in that path. But I think the advice that I would give, and I think the thing that helped me really grow my career was learning from other people and like finding really strong mentorship relationships. So I found a lot of people who I really respected and was comfortable like asking them for advice. And then the second advice I would say that helped me was trying even if I wasn't ready. Like I always felt comfortable like putting myself out there, even if I wasn't like, 100% sure I could do it or I've never done it before like I just trusted that I could figure it out and I think learning by doing like really helped me get more and more comfortable to show up as a leader and not just as as a doer I think. Yeah, I mean that's really really good advice, right? Just putting yourself out there, stepping up to the challenge, don't be afraid, asking for help, funny mentors like those are not just tips for or to be successful in your career. Those are tips to be successful in anything you want to do in life, including entrepreneurship. Right. And I feel like you're already building those building blocks for yourself and your career. I have no doubt that one day if you do make that jump to Jenny the entrepreneur, you're gonna make a seamless transition over. Right. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. I really respect the people who can do it because I think there's something that's like within the first six months, six or a year, and I'm sure you've seen like there's something maybe sexy about it, but to be able to continue to build year two, year five, year seven, like that's really impressive. Yeah, it's not easy, right? I think I think I just said that. I started laughing because I'm like, oh wait a minute, what year am I on? I'm like, oh year four. <laughs> you know? I'm sure year two, year three were, were hard. So kudos to you for like, I think every year is hard. <laughs> <laughs> every year I think about stability too. I'm like, oh, maybe I should come back to the job with me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think um I want to talk a little bit more about you working with different brands and you working with different creators, right? I want to hear about some of the challenges that you face working with, with brands, especially working with creators. I think that what, what, you're, what LinkedIn is doing is really awesome, right? You guys have the LinkedIn, LinkedIn creator program, right? Where you bring in new influencers and teach them how to grow their influence on LinkedIn. In particular, I do want to do this in a two part question. What is it like working with different brands and what is it like working with creators? Mm, good question. So my role is specifically around brand partnerships and talent partnerships. 
And when you think about talent partnerships, it's really around people who are household names. So folks like Gabrielle Union, Ryan Reynolds, Simu Liu, folks like that. And so my role has been one is if you think about some of those folks, like I feel like everyone now, whether you are like work a nine to five job or a creator or an athlete, like everyone is some sort of like multi-hyphenate. Like you don't have to put yourself in one lane anymore, which is so cool. And what we've seen is with some of these like thought leaders and like celebrities or household names, they're also seeing themselves as multi-hyphenates and wanting to position themselves as a business leader or an entrepreneur. And so as we look at, we partner with some of those like talent and help them build a presence on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is the world's largest professional network and to connect with more professionals, decision makers, CMOs. And so my role has been building relationships with them, helping them see like the opportunity of building a presence on LinkedIn and helping them amplify their message. And then with creators, it's also like partnering with them of like, okay, what is your story? Like what story do you want to tell and helping them realize like people want to hear what you have to say. You don't have to wait to be at the very peak of your career journey or your business or your brand, like that whole journey of how to get there. I think people are so interested in. So helping them see that. And then what does that content strategy look like on LinkedIn and helping them just honestly have confidence to tell their story. So that's on the creator and the talent side. With brand partnerships, it's kind of like with LinkedIn, because we are also a network for brands to also tell their story. It's thinking about like, who are brands that we have like really aligned shared values? Like LinkedIn really stands for inclusivity, economic opportunity, believing that everyone should have like opportunity to really grow in their careers, have financial mobility, like all that. So who are brands that are also doing that really well that we can kind of like amplify our messages with? So that's kind of the how we would think about brands and talent and creators. Yeah. I mean, that's a really cool perspective to hear both, right? And what you really hit the the nail of the head on is the ability to share your story in your journey, right? I think everyone has a lot to share, but sometimes we, we sort of diminish our own self-worth. Like we're like, Oh, like why would someone want to hear from me? Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. It's not true. Right. I feel like everybody has piece of nuggets in their own journey that could be shared. That's so valuable for another person to hear. And that's actually what we see in creators too. Is oh, that wow. like, I think about like creators who are like, I think the thing that holds creators back and like me too, like, as I think of myself as a content creator is like, is this good enough? Is this perspective unique enough? Do people care? Like maybe some of those thoughts, but actually it's like the people who just continue to iterate and put themselves out there. And like, I'm sure their content in their year one is like, they can look back and probably aren't as proud of it, but it's just like a sign of their growth that the people who continue doing and kind of like you test and learn what your voice is, you test and learn like the kind of community that you're attracting. And it's usually actually like when you kind of show who you are, like that vulnerability that people get really attracted to and inspired by. And so I feel like it's really cool to just put themselves out there. Yeah. Let's quickly talk about Jenny, the creator. Like, <laughs> what, what kind of content do you put out? How do you find time to make content, right? Because a lot of people think that you have to have all these gear, you have to be super creative, you have to do this and that. Sometimes you have to do it full time. But like as you mentioned earlier, like we're not pigeonholed in one thing. It's not Jenny the corporate employee. It's Jenny the creator. Jenny the you know working with brand management. Jenny the partnership person, right? And you have multiple hats on. So like. Walk us through Jenny, the creator side. I want to hear more about this side. Yeah. What's so funny is I feel like I think I've been creating content probably since like Zynga days. Like, I don't know if you were you on Zynga, Brian. Of course I was on Zynga. That's my generation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I love sharing content. 
But so I always loved expressing myself online and, and sharing things that I was like thinking through in my head, as well as just like fun memories and moments. Um, and the thing I always thought about was like, what is the brand? How do I think at all? But what was really freeing is probably around December, I actually was like nominated for a certain list and I got rejected from that list. And it really like shattered me for some reason. And I didn't even think I would be that disappointed. And I was talking about it with a friend and they're like, why are you so disappointed about not making this list? Like it's an honor that you were even nominated and it's antiquated. And for me, I felt like if I were to have made this list, because I envision my career and my, my future too, in this like multi-hyphenated way, like maybe this list would have validated me in some way and like helped me position myself to be more than these things that you're saying. And my friend wisely was like, I think you're giving this list like way too much agency. Like you have the agency to just start. Like everyone's democratizing opportunity. Like you can just start. And there's something about that like failure that made me feel like, yeah, I'm just going to put myself out there. And so I started making TikToks that December, like literally probably a couple weeks after I found out that I got rejected from that list. I like had threw myself a pity party, then reflected and started putting myself out there because I was like, I love the idea of telling stories and connecting people and like sharing advice and vulnerability and all that. So I started making TikToks in December and it was focused around like financial literacy actually, as well as like career tip. And the reason is because I think growing up in an Asian American family, like my mom actually grew up in the States and my parents were so great and just like encouraging me to do whatever I wanted and like explore my creativity. But they also really sheltered us from any financial conversation. My dad owned dry cleaners growing up. My mom used to be a nurse, but stayed at home to work with us. And so I didn't know anything about money. And so we never talked about like retirement plan or budgeting or investing. And so I was clueless in it. My husband and I got married when I was 23, when he was 25. And so we also were like, he's also Korean and from a Korean immigrant family. And so we were just so naive about money. And we had about like $120,000 of debt that we realized that we had when we were in Minnesota. So we were like very motivated to pay it off. And in our debt-free journey, I became really like motivated about the idea. Like, wow, there is not conversation about financial literacy happening in Korean immigrant circles. Like I learned everything on Reddit. Not a lot of women are talking about like finances. Like people just assume women are bad at spending money and just like, go shopping all the time. Like there's that like perception. And so because of that journey that I was going through, I was like, Oh, I can share what I learned on TikTok. So on TikTok, I started sharing like, here's what I learned that helped me get out of debt. Like here are the bank accounts you should have. And here are career tips that I wish I knew about like how to advocate for your career. And something about that, I guess, kind of like resonated a little bit with people. And so I've been consistently sharing TikToks for the last six months. February was the first month that I got brand deals. June was actually probably the highest earning month that I've had with brand deals of different finance and career brands reaching out about wanting to partner and share tips as well. So it kind of was not what I expected for like my brand or platform to be, but it's a really cool thing. And I think the freedom of getting to just explore, put myself out there has been so fun to get to do. Congratulations on all of your successes. I mean, that's so exciting to hear. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Money is a weird thing. And I didn't feel fully comfortable talking about it for a long time. And even sharing tips, I was like, are people going to think I'm showing off? Like, I'm also not like finance, like accredited. Am I people going to think I'm like a poser because I'm not that savvy, whatever. But I was like, I can, I can try to talk about it in a way that's easy to understand and not make it feel so intimidating. And so that's kind of just been my goal, like things that I wish 
people talk more about with me and like my friends. Yeah. I mean, just uh, for our listeners to know, it's funny because like, I think we had a couple of email exchanges and Jenny was like, are you sure you should, I should be having, like you should be having me in your podcast? And now that you share your story, I was just like, you definitely belong in the podcast, right? It's such an Asian hustle network story. <laughs> so it's all like, I have a job, I have side hustles, I do this in social media. That is the essence of what Asian hustle network is about, right? We love hearing that. It's because like, you're such a unique person. Right. And everybody has like ability to do multiple things at the same time. You don't have to be so heads down with your career where you don't do anything else. Right. You're yeah. a great example of that where you literally incorporate your side hustles and passion and what you learn through your side hustles and passions into your, your career. Cause you're working with brands, you're working with talent, you're working with partnerships. Right. And it's so invaluable the things you learn when you work at it on your own. Right outside of work. So I just want to say you absolutely belong to the podcast here. So I have no idea what the hell you're saying. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. That's what's cool what you're doing with Asian Hustle Network of like net, like telling more stories and dimensions of different Asian American experiences. I think it's interesting because I there's this like tension I've always felt in, in my life of like desire, like I'm passionate about storytelling and connecting and, and sharing things about my life. But also this thing of like, you should be humble, like you shouldn't put yourself out there. Like, there's something there that I've like grown up hearing. And so trying to reconcile the two of like, a good person is someone who puts their head down and doesn't shine a light on themselves. But I think now I'm starting to like realize that that's kind of BS. And just like, there's so much power in like in telling our stories and in putting ourselves out there. So I appreciate that, like your creating spaces for people like us to of course of course and let's quickly dive into that too i think that's a really really strong topic for us to talk about because i think that's a common theme among all asians or asian americans is work hard keep keep your head down and you know be quiet be humble with success you're right it is bs right and that's not unfortunately nowadays this is not how you get promoted at work that's how, that's how that's not how you drive change that's not how you do anything because the truth of fact is we need to be able to be loud take out space right be vocal be heard and for so long our communities are uh, understandably where our parents generation for them their goal is assimilation so i gotta fit into this country because i ain't trying to like get my broke business broken into all those things and for us, we're still seeing those things happen, right? We see like the rise of Asian crime. We see a lot of those things happen. But the key difference is that our generation doesn't see ourselves any different from any other Americans out there, right? Mm. We speak the language. We grew up here. We understand the culture. And that's one key advantage that we have over our parents, right? Is that we are assimilated to the culture and we should use our voice. And because there's been a huge gap of Asian American histories of uh, like the small people use their voice, not all of us use their voice. So now there's a disconnect and now there's a foundation problem. But now you're not seeing a lot of Asian politicians. You're not seeing a lot of people drive changes. So I do want to talk about that real quick, right? And talk about that, that philosophy that our parents installed to us of, of keeping our head down, working hard. I think that fundamentally we need to change, right? And I think that there's people like you and I are speaking up a lot more. And I want to emphasize this is that a lot of people have a voice and we should use it. Doesn't matter if you have three followers, 300, whatever, three friends, doesn't matter, right? If you speak up, like that is louder than most people. And that's so important, right? Yeah, I think that's that's really powerful. When I, when in 2020, when George Floyd was murdered and there was that other police who was an Asian man and there's that like iconic photo of him kind of turning away, 
I think that was something that was really powerful for me in my reflection of just like this desire to not make too much noise that like you are pat on their back for being really easy for not being too disruptive. And there's that whole like, like in America, there's that phrase of the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but in like a homogenous community, like these Asian countries, it's like, what is it? The nail that sticks out gets hammered of that. And like, almost like a rallying cry for me of being like, oh, I've spent so much of my life trying to like assimilate and feel like that will validate my like Americanness or whatever that is. And realizing like that is perpetuating one, this like racial hierarchy that like we don't want to contribute to, but also just like, that's not really serving me. Like that's not really serving anyone. And so, yeah, there is something about that of just like believing that not using your voice, like is actually just like where that comes from. And then second, like believing that your voice matters. Cause for me, it actually just took like two other Asian American women that I saw at work use their voice that emboldened me and suddenly made me feel safe to use mine. And like that, my stories actually mattered because, you know, like I also grew up like really privileged. Like I have two parents, they like, you know, paid for me growing up, like all those things and made me feel like, like, who am I to talk about like discrimination I face or who am I to blah, blah, blah. And just like believing that like all of our stories matter. Absolutely. Right. The part when you said that, you know, see your two coworkers at work speak up, that's powerful. Right. And I, I guess like us being in the content space, being the partnership space, it's really important for us to understand, understand those concepts because like we can actually drive change through what we believe. And that's so important. And for those of you guys who are listening, you still have careers, you guys are drive change too. Right. Because they're an ERG group at your company, form one, create one. Right. And what's really crazy because I have connected with not only yourself, but a series of uh, brand partnership versus of other various country, uh, countries, companies that did mention to me that, wow, like it only, it was only recently that companies put more emphasis on Asian voices, on Asian heritage more, which is absurd. Right. Yeah. Isn't that wild? When I know. Think about like now there are like, there are so many. It's cool. Like I was actually just watching the summer I turned pretty. I don't know if you're watching. I mean, did you watch it? <laughs> okay. Okay. But the summer I turned pretty. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's a, it was started out as a book written by Jenny Han, and the main character is an Asian girl, and her mom is Asian, her dad is white. But the show's like nothing to do with the fact that she's Asian. It's just about like her being a high schooler growing up, but like through the lens of her having an Asian American family, and I love that. And it's just so cool to see now that you can see like Asian role models, Asian actors, Asian stories being told and not in like a, this is a DEI story, but just like, whatever, like cool things that we're doing and things that we're living. And I think it's because in the last, like, especially in the last few years, but for even longer, there's just been so many people who like have continued to believe that like our stories matter. Like let's put ourselves out there. And that's what inspires me. Like, I am obsessed with Mindy Kaling. I talk about her way too much. I, like, idolize her. But she is just fully herself and being both Asian and American. And But that's not... That's, like, one part of her identity. She's also, like, a comedian. She's also, like, thoughtful. She's also, like, a mom and a woman and, like, wants to date and all these things. It's, like, so cool to put all of that humanness and all of those different facets out there. And I think... It encourages me both at work and the way I show up online. Like, I want to put myself out there too. And like, we just deserve to be there because we exist. And yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely agree with that statement. And I do want to bring you back to, you know, your work at LinkedIn, right? And I know the fact that you work with a lot of different creators. What kind of tips and advice would you give to someone who wants to grow their brand presence on LinkedIn? Like, what have you seen that worked besides sharing your story, obviously, sharing your experience is important. But let's start with the like square one, right? If I join LinkedIn today, I have, let's say I have no followers. What should I do? Yeah. Well, first I will define like what it means to be a creator on LinkedIn because I feel like that term still feels new. So truly a creator is anyone who has like a story they want to share. So you don't have to be an expert in something. You don't even have to consider yourself an influencer in whatever world that is. But like if you have a point of view and you want to share your story, build community, like you are a creator and you should start creating on LinkedIn. Like I hope that doesn't intimidate anyone that term of being a creator. In terms of like what helps you, I'll share like both like overall themes as well as like actual best practice on the platform. So a theme, what's really cool is that LinkedIn has a different algorithm than the way you think about like an Instagram or Facebook where everything has to be like immediate within the day. Like content actually lives like a little bit longer. So you don't have to feel like you need to react to like current events. Like you can share like things of your journey, like behind the scenes, like what you're thinking about, what you're learning, what you're reading. And you can continue to kind of test and learn because there's so many different formats. You can try doing small text, lot of text, text with an image. Text with an image actually always performs the best. Video, polls, like there's some different ways. So it's cool that you can literally try all of them and try it for like a couple months and see which format works best for you. So that's like content that does really well. And then in terms of like different like topics and whatnot, the other thing I'll say I've got actually is that even engaging with other people. So if you feel intimidated by creating content, try just following people that you're interested in and kind of like retrain your algorithm to see what you enjoy and try commenting, trying liking, liking, because that actually does really well too. And so, yeah, I would just say test and learn different content. You should turn on creator mode if you're not too familiar with that. So if you go to your profile, there'll be a button under resources where you can click on creator mode and it'll give you the option to say like what topics that you're interested in talking about and turning on career mode. A, it gives you access to certain tools on the platform that you might not have access to just as a regular member. It also has other people start following you as the call to action as opposed to like, if you think of LinkedIn from a while ago when it was like, add me to your network and you got bombarded with lots of emails, like creator mode kind of helps this like relationship where people can just follow you as opposed to like knowing you personally. And then the last thing about creator mode is that it also gives you different analytics and insights. So as you're testing content out there, but hopefully that like, hopefully this is a year where people feel like they're emboldened to be LinkedIn creators. It's cool to meet people who are like, I never thought of myself as a creator before because I don't look a certain way or I'm not a certain age. And they start creating on LinkedIn and they're reaching like thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of people and suddenly getting opportunities to talk about different things from like mental health to fashion to photography. Like there's so many different directions you can go. Yeah, I mean, that, that's extremely powerful, right? And as you mentioned, it just inspired me to like, maybe I should go out there today and make some cool, some sort of cool LinkedIn post after this podcast. But you're right. I think that every social media platform allows for a different type of creator, right? And you, especially with LinkedIn, it's like, you can be a professional creator, which is pretty unique, right? You can express your opinions in very professional ways. You can reach a lot of people that way. So I hope people listen to our podcast today really like change their their image of what LinkedIn can be for them, 
right? Because we know LinkedIn is powerful. We know LinkedIn is the biggest professional network out there. But to create on LinkedIn is a whole different game. And I was so excited to like dive into that with you today. Yeah, you should. I think that the other thing is it's still so early. Like there's not that many LinkedIn creators that I feel like if people start now, they have this advantage of being one of the earlier ones. Like imagine a year from now, two years from now, I don't work on the creator team specifically. I partner with them really closely, but they're constantly creating new programs, new opportunities to kind of like amplify different creators or give like different partnerships and stuff. So I feel like it's the people who start now are the first ones that are going to be top of mind for those different opportunities. One thing I hear that people hold that holds them back is like, I don't want so-and-so to see it. Like I don't want my boss to see it or I don't want to see my coworker to see it. But I think this perception of creating content on LinkedIn is like wildly changing. We're hearing from like directors, executives who they also want to be creators on LinkedIn. So I hope that doesn't hold people back of feeling embarrassed for their colleagues seeing it because I think it's it's really changing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds really cool. Right. And that's, that's absolutely right. I think that's one of the not that it is my fear now, but it was one of my former fears when I still had a job, right? Yeah. Or, and people can try things from their Instagram and TikTok too, like captions from their Instagram images. Like that's what's cool is that you can kind of like repurpose some of your content too and just kind of test and learn to see what works really well. There's this girl named Ali Middleton and she actually just started, shared a post about like maybe a year ago now, maybe six months ago, where she basically just talked about her different like mental health and different things about how she has tattoos and it doesn't make her less professional. It just went viral and she got opportunities to be on TED on TED Talk with Adam Grant. She then got asked to be a creator and all these things. We've seen it with like a lot of different like Jerry Wan as well as an Asian creator as well. Like it's really cool to see people find different opportunities on LinkedIn because it is still really early. I love it. You just absolutely inspired me. <laughs> Yay, Brian, I want to see Yay. you create more on LinkedIn. I, I'll try, Jenny. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jenny, as we're near the end of the podcast, I have two questions to you left. And the first question is, let's talk about being in, like working in corporate and building a side hustle on TikTok, talking about your personal interests. What advice do you give to someone who wants to do something like that? Right. I say, for example, they work at a tech job. But they have a radically different interest. They want to talk about food. They want to talk about wine. They want to talk about whatever it is, right? What advice do you have for someone who is still working corporate that still wants to create content but never see themselves as someone to talk about something absurdly not on topic with their career? It's mm, a good question. So the one thing that really helped me and someone gave this advice that they were like, think of who your favorite YouTuber is maybe. And you can actually filter their videos and usually it's filtered by default, either by most popular or newest. But if you filter it to oldest, you see what their first few videos are like. And you see like, wow, they weren't that good. Or wow, they are so raw. And there's something about getting over the fear of getting started. So breaking it out by like, what do you want to do? And why do you want to do it? And just get over the hump. Like I think what was helpful for me is like knowing that like, if you have interest in being a creator and it's not your background or not your job, you probably already have a bunch of ideas. So having ideas is not your problem. It's actually just like getting over the fear of getting started. So literally just get started. TikTok was great because it felt like a safe way to get started because it wasn't my Instagram. It wasn't my LinkedIn. And that was my way of just getting started. And over the last six months, I started to build confidence to now 
let it like spread out to other channels. So I'd say get started. And then second, think about your reason for why. Like I thought about like, I want to one day build a platform and build a community where I can use like my influence to tell stories and build community. And I'm like, well, why don't I just start now? Like I don't have to wait till I have a certain amount of following or whatever to legitimize me. Like I can just start doing it now. So I think that mental block was also helpful for me. And hopefully that's helpful for someone else. Yeah, I mean, those are those are really good tips, right? And I think just having other examples out there and looking at how they did it, you know, you're going to find ways to sort of... It's okay to even copy their style to begin with to find your own voice, right? So Jenny, how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you online? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or LinkedIn. Instagram is Mohe with Jenny Park. I think there's Mohe period with Jenny Park. TikTok is just Mohe with Jenny Park. If you're a Korean, you know what that Mohe means, like, what are you up to or what's going on? And it's one of my favorite Korean words, but also like kind of just speaks to this idea of like curiosity and connection and bringing people together. So that's why that's my name. And then on LinkedIn, it's like backslash Jennifer Kim Park and always open to, to have conversation or answer questions and messages about any of the stuff we talked about. Awesome. Awesome. We've put all that in the show notes. And Jenny, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brian. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.